This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. Reading from Matthew chapter 16, and we'll do verse 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Brother Harris, would you stand and pray for the message, the messenger this morning? Father, Father, we thank you once again to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for waking us up this morning to be able to hear the word of the Lord. Lord, we pray that you would bless our brother as he give us fresh unction by the Holy Spirit. Lord God, that you will help us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. Not lose faith, not lose hope. Lord God, that we be diligently doing what you want as you commanded when you want. Yes, it's in Jesus' name. I want to preach this morning on the title, Two Crosses. Two Crosses. Matthew 16, 24 is a very familiar portion of Scripture. I'm sure we've all heard a, at least a message preached. If you haven't, well, here's your one message preached from the Scripture. <laughs> it's very familiar. And a lot of people use it in the wrong context. They associate this verse with carrying a burden. They read this verse and only see the part where it says, take up your cross. But the whole verse shows us a series of requirements. There are two crosses in this world. The cross of Jesus and our cross. But what did Jesus mean when he said to take up our cross? What's the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ? First, we've got to look at what is a cross. What is this? What are we talking about? In the literal sense, it is an instrument of execution and suffering. It is believed to have been created by the Persians and further developed by the Romans. The cause of death that is brought about, brought about by the cross is asphyxiation, a.k.a. suffocation. For those who don't know medical terminology, to suffocate them. It was not an instant death. Depending on the circumstance, it could last for hours to days. Being up on the cross, hours to days. A person would be attached to a crisscross beam, in some cases a wooden pole, Hands and feet either nailed or nailed to the wood or tied on a crisscross beam, the actual literal cross. The shoulders would become dislocated, and so would the wrists, because you'd be hanging there, and that's the only thing to hold you up. And eventually, your the joints and your shoulders would slip, and your wrists. By hanging there, the pressure of the suspended body, with no flat surface for the feet to take the pressure. 
the human diaphragm would compress slowly, suffocating a person. To speed up the execution, they may break the legs of the person on the cross so that they could not push up to re relieve the pressure. Which is why they, they attempted to break Christ's legs. If you read further to the execution account. This is why it could take several hours to days. The person could push up and get some breath and fall back down. And they could repeat this over and over until they would uh, lose all energy to do so. But there John 19 and 31 says, The Jews therefore... Because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So they had to go to Pilate to ask him first if they could hurry up and speed up the execution. Because the cross was meant to suffer. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. The cross was a horrible instrument of death. The worst created by mankind. Most other methods kill instantly and without pain. But the cross, it was meant to be slow and painful. Now I, I pose a question. What's the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ? Looks at, look at Jesus' cross. Jesus' cross was an instrument of death when it said, you know, there in 24, if anyone will come after me, let him pick up his cross as opposed to Jesus' cross. Because Jesus had to take up his own cross. Why? Because it was the beginning of punishment for our sins. Jesus' cross was punishment for our sins. Jesus had no sin of his own. He had never disobeyed his earthly parents. He had never lied. He never stole. He never gave in to diverse lusts. Christ was completely innocent from the day he came from the womb until that last breath. His cross was punishment for what we had done. No other God worshipped among man ever gave their life. For those who followed him. Not Muhammad. Not Buddha. Not Joseph Smith. Like, well, well they died. They died as a martyr to their faith, faith. But not because. They wanted to do it to free their people. Jesus willingly went to the cross. To free us from sin. All those other gods. Or gods worshipped among men. They're not gods at all. Muhammad's not God. Joseph Smith's not God. Buddha's not God. Bill Gates ain't God. No president is God. None of them would be willing to give their life for their followers. They may say, I've sacrificed. And I've went out and I've done all these great things for my followers. But when it came to face to face with death, none of them would say, I'll gladly do it for them. And in fact, Jesus not only died for his followers, but he died for those who didn't follow him. Jesus died for those who hated him. No one has ever done anything for somebody who hated them to the extent that Christ had done. His punishment, his cross is punishment for what we had done. His cross was heavier than the one we are asked to carry. 
His was loaded with all of mankind's wickedness. Now let's look at our cross. First cross was the cross of Christ. Second cross is our cross. Our cross is not some basic human burden. And this is where people misinterpret it. Oh, yeah, I gotta bear my cross. This is my cross to bear when there's some sort of issue in their life. Their cross is not a bad job. Our cross is not a disability. It's not scars from the past or some traumatic experience that comes up in our minds. That's not our cross. Our cross is not some uh, charity thing that we've decided to go and do. It's nothing like that. No. Our cross is willingness and sacrifice for the Lord. That is our cross. It is the ultimate form of obedience and dedication. It's not an external concept, but it is a matter of the heart. There are groups who every year grab a big wooden cross, sometimes with a wheel attached to it. And what they'll do is they'll walk up and down these roads. And they do it down in, in California, some of those charismatic churches. And they'll have this cross and they'll walk up and down the boulevard with it. To, and they think they're witnessing the people. But all people have seen is just some Yahoo with a big cross with a wheel on it. First of all, there wasn't a wheel on Jesus' cross. <laughs> Praise God. But they do it because they want to see what it's like for Christ to have carried the cross. Uh, and, they, and they boast about it. I carried the cross five miles. I carried it ten. I carried it twenty. I got, sp I, I got some blisters on my hand. Oh, wow, you really sacrificed to the Lord today. You got some blisters on your hand and your feet because you carried a wooden cross up and down the road. That is not what the scripture is telling us. That is not what God has called us to do, to carry a big wooden beam up and down the road. There's one out here uh, behind this little wall here. They got a big wooden beam. I'm not sure who used it, what they were using it for. I might put it up there as more of a church sign. But I'm not going to walk up and down the road because that accomplishes nothing. That's not the cross we've been asked to bear. Matthew 27-31 says, And after that they had mocked him. They took the rope off from him. And put his own raiment on him. They're speaking of Jesus. And led him away to crucify him. And I'm talking about that this, this actual wooden beam. That's not what we're talking. You know, that's not what Christ is talking about. Pick up your cross. Because even Jesus didn't carry his own cross. And this is where this verse is coming from. And 20, Matthew 27 and 32. And as they come out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. So Jesus didn't even carry his cross up the hill. Like so many people believe. They actually had somebody else do it. So we're not talking about going to your back shed and uh, assembling a two by four cross. That is not the cross we're being asked to bear. The question is, how far are you willing to go for God? Chances are, he is not asking anyone to go anywhere and become a martyr. God doesn't delight in sending his children to the rainforest to talk to some sort of tribe just for them to be beheaded and cannibalized. But if he did, if God did tell you to do that, 
would you go? Would you go to a known place that is infamous for killing Christians? How far are you willing to go to reach out to men and women? We're talking about the small groups. Sometimes it's not very comfortable to do those things. Go to somebody's house. It's not always, you know, you go to people's houses and they're kind of disgusting sometimes maybe. Maybe having them over to your house. And we talked about the certain reasons why you may not want to do it at your house. There are certain, you know, procedures about it. But if you were to have it at your house, are you willing to do it? Letting people come and check in mud. Is it worth it to you to break out the carpet cleaner every week just to get the mud out of the carpet in order to see men and women saved? Is it worth it? How far are you willing to go to learn more about the ways of God? Attend church. Attend a Bible study. A small group. How far are you willing to go to get that blessing you've been asking for? How far are you willing to go? Have you stopped praying for that healing? Have you stopped praying for that financial blessing? Well, I'm telling you today, you cannot let that cross off your shoulders. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep praying until God makes a way. You've got to keep praying for that sin to be taken out of your life. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep praying. Pray without ceasing. Because God will answer your prayer. And it may not be in the way you want it. It may not be the total money amount that you ask for. He may have to have you work a little extra. He may have to take, make you take a position that you don't want. But God will answer your prayer. Praise yeah. God. Jesus went all the way. He knew that the only way to save us from our sins was to go all the way. When you're playing football and then, you know they get the guy, he catches it or he runs and he's running and he announces are going crazy and you hear him say, he's going all the way. We've heard that in every football game. Well, that's what you got to do. You got to go all the way. You can't go halfway for Christ. Right. You've got to go all the way. You've got to say, I'm a member of the body of Christ. Right. I'm a Christian. Yeah. I'm not just going to come into church and say amen and raise my hands and then get in my car and then go back into the world. I'm not saying you can't go home and eat lunch and relax, but you've got to stay a Christian. Right. You've got to put on that... Uh, not put on the face, but you've got to show men and women that you're a Christian. Yeah. When, and there's been times where I've gotten out of the church and we've gone out to the grocery store or something, and that doesn't mean it's time to stop. It means, hey, I'm, let me invite you out to church. I know church is a week from today. I know you're probably going to forget about it, but I'm going to invite you out to church anyway. Here's a church card. Here's a church flyer. I can't put off this Christianity at the end of the day because it's not something you can put off. When you're a Christian, you're a Christian indeed. Right. We've got to go all the way for Christ. He knew. Christ knew that he would have to shed his glory, come down, be born in human flesh, just to feel the pain and suffering we do. He would grow up just like us. He would fight battles of the mind. He would be hated by those who were supposed to 
love him. He was broken eternally and externally. Isaiah 53 and 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hated as our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Christ still feels that rejection because there are still men that reject him and curse him and put him out and try to put out his name. And we got to make sure that we're there for Jesus. Yes, we have to be there for Jesus too. We got to let him know that there are still people willing to call upon his name. That there are people that have not bowed their knee to Satan. That there are men and women who are willing to wake up and come to church. Who are willing to go out and tell others about him. Let Jesus know that you are alive and ready to serve him. We will esteem him. He would die this brutal death and spend three days and nights in hell. And we cannot say that Jesus doesn't know what we go through. Because he's been through worse. Jesus has absolutely been through worse. I know people, they get into this competition sometimes when there's a tragedy and someone says, oh yeah, this happened to me. Oh yeah, well that happened to me too last week. Or, you know, people want to try to one-up each other. We cannot one-up Jesus. We can never say, well, yeah, Jesus died on the cross, but, you know, this week, this last week, this is what happened. Oh, please. We, we can't have a pity party for ourselves. We have never felt the pain that Jesus has felt, and we never will. Praise God. I'm glad we don't have to feel the pain that Jesus did. I'm glad that Jesus died in my place. Well, that kind of, you know, you shouldn't be glad that someone died. Oh, I'm glad that Jesus went to the cross for me. It's not, uh, you know, when we're talking about this instrument of death, people say it's it's, uh, gory and horrible. But for the Christian, it is beautiful. Like that song, the old rugged cross. That old wooden cross, it's a, it's a wonderful sight to me. And it is. That's why we use it as a symbol. I remember the, the, a couple weeks ago that J-Dub that, that guy was saying, we don't have symbols and we don't have statues. And we don't either. I don't have a big old cross that uh, we worship. We don't light candles at the cross or anything. But it's that symbol. That freedom that that symbol brings us. Right. And that is our rallying sign. Our standard, our signature, I guess you could say, is the cross. We don't worship the actual wooden beam. It was nothing more than a wooden beam. It was what was done on that wooden beam that we look to. And it's the one who provided that uh, event on that wooden beam is who we look to. We worship Jesus, not the cross, but we use the cross as a symbol. And that's okay. If you are willing to follow him, these are the requirements. First, he says there, let him deny himself. We have to deny ourselves. We are not our own. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This verse is about not giving yourself over to the flesh because you don't own yourself. But it ties in here. We are bought with a price. We are purchased. We are owned by God. Even under sin, a person is not their own. 
They're owned by Satan. People say, I'm a free man. No, humans are not free. We will never be free. We are going to be under one of two masters. And you've got to choose which one you want to be under. You want to be under the master of cruelty and deceit and hatred who treats you like garbage? Then fine, be under Satan. But if you want to be under a master of love and hope and peace right. who makes sure your table is full at dinner time, to make sure that you have what you need on your back, right. who tells you to carry this burden, it's very light, and then you got to follow Jesus. True Christianity is marked by self-denial. And I'm not talking about how the monks do it. You know, different monks, and all they wear is like a, a one-piece tunic or something, and they, they, they only eat of leaves from the, the wilderness and drink of water, and they deny themselves of all little uh, electronics and everything. That's not the denial that we are being asked. It is the opposite of the law of sin, which tells us that life is all about we. Sin says it's about we. The I in pride stands out. Pride is what caused Satan to rise up against God. Ezekiel 28 and 17 tells us, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, and they may behold thee. But it's telling us about Satan. How he rose up against God because of him, uh, of his pride. Satan thought that he was so pretty. Satan thought because he was uh, esteemed above others that he could be something that he was not. People say, well, it's my life. Wrong. It's not your life. You didn't earn your life. You didn't create your life. God gave you the breath of life, and he can take it away too. Does this self-denial mean that as a believer you must rid yourself of worldly goods and go live in the woods in the name of Jesus? No. It means that you have to come to a point in your life where you say to yourself, I cannot make it to heaven on my own. I cannot be saved from my sin on my own. I cannot live this life on my own. People may have a big house, nice job, loving family. They may seem to be happy all the time, but they have nothing. They have nothing. I, as a Christian, I, as a believer in Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, I have more than Bill Gates does. Right. I have more than Jeff Bezos has. I have more than, well, they're billionaires. They have fans. They have influence. But they don't have Jesus. Right. But I have Jesus. Yeah. And he has more. Jesus has more than both of them combined. Right. Their riches compare nothing to what Jesus has. Right. And it's going to compare to nothing that Jesus is going to give me. Not only in this world, but in the life to come. I'm excited about being a Christian today. And I don't look at what other men have 
and say, man, if I wasn't a Christian, I can have this. And why do they get to have this? And now here I am as a Christian, and I've got to depend on God. I'm glad I can depend on God. You know, people say, you know, well, we want the government to take care of us. We want socialism. Fine. They get God. Because then God will take care of all your needs. I want heavenly socialism, you know, in a sense that God will supply all my needs. All I got to do is serve him. I may have to work for it. (laughs) I may still have to get up and go to work. But so does socialism. People think socialism, you get to stay at home and just do nothing. No. Socialism, they put you in the factories. You don't get a choice of what factory you work at. They make you. They say, you know what, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Same thing with communism. Same thing. They force you. But in Christ, all God's promises are yes and amen. Praise God. So no, it's not your life. And it's definitely not your body. Yes, I threw that in there. (laughs) It is not your body and you can't just do whatever you want with it. It was God who performed man out of the dirt of the earth. People that are coasting through life, not knowing that damnation and hellfire awaits them. They have no idea that there is an entire world beneath their feet of souls in torment. You know, and then there's obviously those with these lifestyles, you know, the rich and the famous, and you know that they're miserable. You know that they're miserable. They find themselves at the bar or club thinking that they choose to be there, but they are just trying to have a good time. But in reality, they are bound to sin. They're looking for answers in the bottle of the glass. I'm glad that we can look for our answers in Jesus Christ. It is Jesus we can look for our answers. And there was a message, and I want to preach on this message, maybe down the road when you guys have forgotten this illustration. But we were in Panera Bread a few, uh, maybe a month ago. We're sitting there, and uh, an employee come. We found this little section that was all by ourselves, and an employee came and sat at a table kind of behind us. Okay, they're on break, no problem, you know. And she had kind of this bag with her, this plastic bag, and another employee came, and I'm kind of listening. And one employee in that bag had a bunch of tarot cards. Tarot cards. And this other employee came over. She's like, wow, this is kind of the first time I've ever done this. And you could tell that the girl who brought the cards is a tarot card reader. And she wanted to read this girl her fortune, her future, her tarot. And you could hear the one girl explain to the other one her, her situation. It was some boyfriend drama. Of course. <laughs> teenage boyfriend drama and there's really some more issues going on in life than boyfriend drama but she, she sought out these tarot cards and the girl's kind of putting these cards down and reading them well this means you got to do this and this and this and this and this and the girl's like wow you've answered all my questions and I, I kept my peace we're, we're, we're eating I'm not making a scene I was hoping that the girl would kind of be left alone for a little bit so I, maybe I could do some witnessing to her it didn't work out that way But she was looking for these answers in these cards. I don't look for answer in uh, rectangle forms of cardboard. I don't look for answers in a glass globe. I'm not going to go to some shady uh, back room Miss Cleo looking uh, 
seance place and spend $25 an hour to find out if grandma's in heaven or find out what's going to happen to me. If I need something, I'm going to ask Jesus Christ. Right. I'm going to go right to the source. And the funny thing is, another co-worker had came through and she went to reach for the cards. And the, the girl who owned the cards like, no, no, you can't touch them. Only I can touch these cards. I'm glad that I can go to Jesus and touch him with my hands. I'm glad that I have a God that I don't have to go to somebody first to get permission to ask him. I'm glad to have a Savior that dwells with me, that has filled me with his Holy Ghost, that I can call upon him day or night. That I could get the answers to the things I have questions for from God himself. You're not going to find those answers in the bottle. You're not going to find them in the joint. Because the bottle will run empty. The joint will burn up. The psychic will go on vacation. But Jesus is forever. Man. He is forever. He doesn't go away he doesn't give up. He doesn't take the day off. God doesn't take days off. We take days off. We go to sleep at night. The Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't wake. God doesn't eat either. He, he's there. He's ready to hear our prayers day and night. And all we got to do is go to him. People are looking for that peace in all the wrong places. And it is their pride that stops them from looking to God. They think they can solve their own problems, but they can't. But a person has, but when a person has come to the end of their rope and they call out to the Lord, God will answer. You must deny yourself the ability to do it on your own. We must give it to Jesus. Amen. I was talking to a lady the other night, soul winning, and she's got a whole bunch of stuff uh, going on in her life. And I said, listen, you got to stop and give it to God. And I, it's a shame she's not here in church today. And that's an example. Why isn't she here in church today? She, had, she has a real need. She has a real need in her life. And if she would have came to church today to show God that she's willing to deny herself, to give it in God's hands, that's all she has to do is make it to church. And say, God, I'm here in your house because I've got a need and I need you to solve it, Lord God. I need you to meet that need. Why isn't she here today? I don't know. Maybe it's that pride. Maybe she wanted to sleep in. I don't know. And I'd still pray for her. But she's got to go to God. I can't do it for her. God wants to hear from her. Wants to hear from her heart. Hear from her lips that she needs help. And she needs to give her life to him. Not just, God, help me with the situation. Thank you for blessing me. And then go back into the world. If you want God to do something in your life, you've got to give him your life. There's a reason that when they lowered that man down there in the Bible to be healed, that Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Well, they, they brought him there to be healed. But Jesus told them his sins were forgiven. How come? How come Jesus forgave his sins before he got healed? Because first things first. Right. First things first. You need healing, you got to be saved. Right. You need a financial blessing, you got to be saved. You need your family back together, you got to be saved. Because sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God.
Would you put your life on hold for God? Talking about picking up your cross and the requirements. You must deny yourself. Are you willing? You're going to put your life on hold for God. Would you go where he tells you to go even if you had to quit your job and move away from family? Now there's all sorts of different people in the body of Christ. You've got ministers and pastors and preachers and evangelists and just church members and good old faithful people in the church. But God requires something of us all. We're all servants. Every single Christian no matter what your title is in the church, no matter what you do in the church, the guy who scrubs the toilet and the guy who repairs the air conditioner are still servants of God. Are you willing to do what it takes? God has different callings for every believer. We're all called to be witnesses. In my personal calling, I can't just go on vacation. I have to be here to preach and teach. I cannot just get up and move and start a church wherever I want. It's got to be directed by God. I can't just go to a better state. You know, we're here in Washington State, and it has its beauty, but it's no Caribbean islands. There's no clear water. It's, it's getting more expensive. I hear people buying houses in the Midwest. Beautiful houses for like $70,000, $80,000. Three, four bedroom houses for nothing. It's like, man, you can't even, uh, they don't even have rent for anything lower than 1000 around here. People are paying mortgages, you know, what, $200 a month on a mortgage? Whoo! I wish my rent was $200 a month. But I'm not here because I want to be here because of the, 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 the culture or the prices. I'm here because God wants me here. And I'm happy to be where God wants me to be. And I want to stay where God wants me to stay. And I'll go when God tells me to go no matter where it is. Praise God. Because I am not of my own. I am not myself. I belong to God. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him, but why? Why are we going to pick up our cross and follow him? Why pick it up in the first place? Because he died for you. He died to save us from sin and from ourselves. Why? Because he loves us. Why? Because he has a plan for you. Why? Because he has a place for you in heaven. We may see this verse, this text, as a time of burden and sacrifice, but it will not go without reward. Following Jesus, giving your life to him is worth it. It is worth it right now, in the present, and it will be worth it in the end. When you close your eyes for the last time and open them again to see him standing over you saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. It will have all been worth it. And like I said, 
It's worth it in the end, but it is worth it now. I'm glad to be a Christian now. And if there wasn't necessarily a hope in the end, if there wasn't necessarily uh, going to heaven, whatever, I would still be happy to be a Christian now because I have peace now. I have hope now. I can have healing now. God is blessing me now. There are all these groups that talk about the future, the end, uh, in heaven. You got to make it to heaven. Yes, we want to make it to heaven. That's the ultimate reward. But we need something now. And Jesus gives it to us now. He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. Not later. Not thousands of years. I'm going to send it to you not many days hence. And he will dwell with you. He will teach you and comfort you. And you will do amazing and mighty things in my name. Praise God that we have Jesus now. And you can have him now too. You don't have to wait. You can call upon him now. You can take up your cross now and walk with him. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Not pick up your cross and go your own direction. But follow me. Let's do it together. Pick up your burden. Let's do it together. Jesus is with us right now. Praise God. Let's worship him this morning. Let's worship him. As she begins to sing, worship Jesus. He already carried the cross of your sin. And this morning, He is asking you to take up your, the cross yourself. He is asking for your love, your devotion. He is asking for your pain and your suffering. He is asking for you to follow Him. He took the heavy cross and He has given us the lighter cross. But we must bear it. But for all that Jesus has done, I am willing to bear that cross. Are you willing to bear that cross yourself this morning? Are you willing to tell men and women about the love of Jesus Christ? When someone asks, why are you carrying that cross? Why are you walking around telling people about this man named Jesus? Are you going to say, I don't know, or let me tell you why I'm bearing this cross? Praise God this morning. I am willing to follow Jesus. Let us find a place to pray this morning. Let us find a place to pray this morning. I used to be so sad, but now I'm just free and glad. Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. Sometimes I remember how I used to be living in sin. I Worship him this morning. Seek him. While he may be found. 